It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Julian Council. Talking Carolina Panthers with you throughout the month of June, only three times a week as we're here in off-season mode on Locked On Panthers, which makes it important for you to rate, review, and subscribe and follow the show. Either on Apple Podcasts, you can check us out on Spotify, on Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you get those, make sure that you're subscribing to the show so every morning a show comes out, you have it sitting right there on your phone already downloaded, and you don't have to look at my Twitter account and see whether I posted a show or not. Well, you still can follow me on Twitter by following me at Julian Council, so make sure to do that. Or every Friday, I'm going to need your participation throughout the offseason for our weekly Friday mailbag here on the Locked On Panthers podcast, so please make sure to do that. And if you're an NFL fan, Make sure to check out Peacock and Williamson, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show. Uh, there's some thoughts on the Carolina Panthers offseason from Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com. He talks about what went right, what went wrong, what they could have done differently, and what's left to do. So we'll go over those four things that Bill Barnwell talked about as he ranked the Panthers offseason. And it was not highly ranked, which was kind of interesting to see. Also, pro football focus, I have a love-hate relationship with them. They are concerned about the Panthers offensive line and how it might hinder the ability of Sam Darnold to resurrect his career here in Carolina in 2021. So we'll get into all of that as well. But let's start off as we're having yet another conversation about billionaires and stadiums. David Tepper, the Carolina Panthers billionaire owner who is worth approximately $14.5 billion with the B dollars, was down in Rock Hill, South Carolina on Tuesday as the Panthers announced a combined donation of $700,000 to Miracle Park in Rock Hill, 500000 of those dollars coming direct, directly from David and his wife, Nicole Tepper, with the rest from the team's charity. The park is being built for people of all abilities, and the first phase will be open this summer. So there, David Tepper doing what he said he would do when he came here to Charlotte. I applaud him for saying that he was going to be investing in the community, that this was going to be home for him. He was going to try and build a city to be one of the premier cities in America and especially in the region. And he's done a lot of charity work. So I give him a pat on the back for that. One of the things though, that I will not give him a pass for is his thoughts on what it would take for the Carolina Panthers in the city of Charlotte to bring a new stadium here to town. 
to build a new stadium, which would, of course, be worth some billions of dollars. Tepper once again talked about that desire as he met with the media on Tuesday. You know, we changed the plans. You know, the Eastland plans, we told the city, don't spend the money on us. So we told them to keep that money. We don't expect that we'll be, you know, the situation's a little bit different post-COVID, so we think we'll be in the same stadium. And I will tell you this, because you'll be interested in this. I mean, there's no way in hell, I'll say that word, to a, with a double hockey stick, um, that I would build a, a, a dome stadium in Shire, especially after COVID. And the weather's too beautiful, and, you know, if anything shows you, it's really advantage to have that, that, that kind of building. What's so I don't know if that was your question. Just the timeline on still wanting a new stadium in general, though. You know, at some point that building will fall down. Okay, so we would, you know, it's a question, like I said before, and I'll say it again, I'm not building the stadium alone. The community is going to have to want it. And, you know, if I'm a third and, you know, the community is a third and eventually in the future and it could be a long way out, you know, uh, people or PSL guys are a third or whatever we do. It's, it's a partnership. And if people don't want it, they won't want it. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to force it on anybody. I don't want to force it on anybody. So uh, in the meantime, we'll just try to, we're trying to make the building we have best possible building we can have and we're going to make different changes there and different enhancements and so a few things no way in hell he wants to build a stadium a dome stadium rather um or yes more specifically here in charlotte after covid as before he had mentioned how he wanted charlotte to be the uh premier city in the carolinas which it already is so i don't really know what exactly he was going to do to make Charlotte better than it already was compared to the other cities throughout the carolinas and the region um outside of atlanta but still um, that, that was interesting. I don't think that necessarily precludes him from having a retractable roof, but if he wants to make sure that the beautiful weather in Charlotte is continued to be highlighted with the stadium, then certainly not having a dome stadium, that makes a lot of sense, but that would take away the possibility of hosting a final four and then maybe potentially hosting a Super Bowl as the weather, um, in February in Charlotte's not necessarily the kind of weather that they want to have for Super Bowls, even though they did go to New York city, but of course, New York is New York and Charlotte is Charlotte. Now, one possibility, according to Lana Getzenberg of the Charlotte Observer, who provided that video, by the way, uh, said one possibility for a, sta a new stadium includes building where the current one is and playing elsewhere for a few years, said Charlotte Pipe and Foundry site, which has been the worst kept secret in Charlotte about where the Panthers might potentially build a new stadium. That's still somewhere that would make a lot of sense. Now, the Minnesota Vikings, they played at the University of Minnesota Stadium for a couple seasons before moving to the new U.S. Bank Stadium, which they play at now. Now, what really stood out with David Tepper, at least to me, and I think to pretty much everyone out there, was David Tepper saying, I'm not building a stadium alone. The community is going to have to want it. He also said that at some point that building will fall down, which if that's the case, I'm very concerned about Panther fans going into a full capacity stadium this fall if it's going to potentially fall down. Apparently the foundation of Bank of America Stadium is to the point where, guys, it's going to fall down one day. Not gonna be, it's not going to be imploded. It's just going to fall down. That's a little dramatic from David Tepper. And trust me, if you listen, I know all about the, drama, the, the dramatics. So come on. I just do not have any interest in a billionaire saying that it needs to be a community project. That the community needs to be on board. Now, he said he's not going to force it on anyone. That the city of Charlotte's going to have to want to work with him. Just looking at the history, though... Recently, in terms of renovations at the city of Charlotte and the money they've given to Jerry Richardson, the past Panthers owner, and now David Tepper, the current Panthers owner, back in 2014, they gave Richardson $75 million 
to put in escalators and for new video boards, new ribbon boards, and other renovations at Bank of America Stadium that were to be completed by 2018. Just back in December of 2019, months before a global pandemic that crippled the American economy and many Americans themselves, the city of Charlotte gave $110 million for soccer-specific renovations and new field suites for David Tepper, who they put in this past offseason and they've displaced season ticket holders and folks that have been PSL owners at that stadium and then that section since the day it was built. So just right there in the last seven years, the city of Charlotte has given $185 million to keep Bank of America Stadium up to date. There's nothing wrong with that stadium. This is not the first time David Tepper has talked about how the stadium's old and how eventually they're going to need to upgrade. And he did mention that in the meantime, we are going to work with what we have and try to make the stadium the best it can be. So adding field suites, fine. Making it soccer specific and adding new bars and having larger concourse and all that kind of stuff. That's great for the fan experience. Absolutely. But just, I do not want to hear anything about citizens of the city having to help a man who paid $2.275 billion liquid for the football team and is worth $14.5 billion and is only getting richer by having an NFL team asking them to help. And this is why I have the opinion of the Panthers are Charlotte's team. Yes, I know the two, two states, one team deal. I get it with marketing-wise and marketing to South Carolina and marketing to the rest of North Carolina, and that's what you have to do. But it's the city of Charlotte. It's the citizens of Mecklenburg County who pay for the stadium. That's why I'm like, this is Charlotte's team. Because we're the ones who pay for the stadium. We're the ones who are going to be on the hook for all this kind of stuff. We're the ones who have to deal with the city council and whether they're going to figure out whether they want to give the money or not. It's our money. It's not your money if you live in York County. It's not your money if you live down in Charleston or you live down in Greenville, you live in Raleigh or Wilmington, wherever. It's not your money. So that's why I kind of take it personal when I'm like, this is Charlotte's team because of this exact reason. We're the ones who are going to have to pay for it. Or David Tepper is going to try and pit Rock Hill and that part of South Carolina against the Charlotte City Council, Mecklenburg County, and try and build a stadium there. It's just insane to me that a billionaire is talking about he wants to build a stadium. Now, his tone in that conversation was, you know, he's just, hey, just letting you know, um, I'm not trying to build a dome stadium anymore. I'm not saying we have to build a stadium. The community, they have to say they want it, but if they want it, they're going to have to help me pay for it. I'm not paying for it alone. And as soon as I hear that, and he said this, not even really being asked about it. And Elena did ask more about it, but he did bring up on his own about a new stadium. And we don't have the full video and the full audio, but it seemed from what I heard right there, he brought it up without anyone really asking him about it. So David Tepper still is all gung-ho on having the citizens of Charlotte, North Carolina, help him pay for a stadium when we all know he has plenty of money to do that and also this team doesn't have a left tackle still and under three years of his ownership they have been terrible so maybe fix the things on the field first before asking your fan base and the citizens of charlotte to pay for your new stadium that you can more than afford by yourself all right so done with that conversation bill barnwell did not think the Panthers had a great offseason, which I found kind of surprising when looking at his article on ESPN. Going to talk about that in just a moment. 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So Bill Barnwell, he is a kind of a football nerd, if we're being honest, over at ESPN.com, but I like the work that he does. He came up with an article on Tuesday morning ranking the NFL offseasons from first to worst, including where the Carolina Panthers sit among the 32 teams in the NFL. And just to add some context, when looking at some of the rankings he had, he had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who brought back, as we know, all 22 starters from a team that won the Super Bowl, they are ranked number one. No surprise there. The Atlanta Falcons, who just traded Julio Jones, are ranked 28th with their offseason. And you have the New Orleans Saints, who just watched Drew Brees retire. The Saints are now ranked 7th. So, 1, 7, and 28th in the NFC South. Some of the other teams in their rankings, at least in the top five. You get the New England Patriots at number two with former Panthers quarterback Cam Newton there. Los Angeles Chargers were third in his rankings. Baltimore Ravens were fourth in his rankings. And the Washington football team, former head coach Matt Ron Rivera, excuse me, was ranked fifth. So that's where things stand in terms of how he sees those NFL teams having their best in terms of who had the best offseason, those five teams. Now, where does that leave the Carolina Panthers? Bill Barnwell ranks the Panthers offseason 26th out of 32 teams, which I find very surprising. The things that he thinks went right were Carolina adding Hassan Reddick and A.J. Boye to the defense. They added a valuable cornerback piece at number eight overall in J.C. Horn. Um... The decision to give up Teddy Bridgewater, make a run at Sam Darnold, might end up being the most notable, important choice the Panthers made this offseason, but generally, he liked the supplemental decisions by Matt Rule and company made around this roster this offseason. And I've been a fan of what they've done. I would even throw in Daquan Jones, who was a starter for the last six seasons with the Tennessee Titans coming in to play next to Derrick Brown as a run stuffer. I really like that move as well. I thought overall, in terms of just how they went about the draft and just their having a plan, maneuvering the draft board, all the trade backs, even though it didn't result in a starting left tackle, which I wanted, 
I like the plan of attack that Scott Fitterer, the new Panthers GM, and Matt Rule and everyone in that war room had on draft night and draft weekend. Now, what went wrong for Bill Barwell? He says, I'm not thoroughly excited about the Darnold trade, which saw Carolina send three picks to the Jets for the former number three overall pick, including a second rounder in 2022. And as we know, folks, as I'm just kind of interjecting for a second, fourth and sixth round picks, they were able to recoup that already with getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater, sending him to Denver. They uh, fleeced the Houston Texans, got that pick next year, but they have not gotten back that second round pick, which is, so I've told you, that's the one thing that really I did not like the Panthers giving up for a failed quarterback in Sam Darnold. Uh, Barnwell goes on to say, perhaps more importantly, the Panthers are also agreed to pick up Darnold's fifth year option for 2023, which now fully guaranteed at $18.6 million. Quarterbacks who start their career like Darnold rarely turn into effective passers in their second stops, and his franchise is making a significant bet that Darnold will be the exception. His lack of development and middling success, even in clean pockets, would worry me, and I think the most likely scenario is that Carolina is back in the quarterback market again in 2022. And those are all points I agree with. I've gone over the numbers. That were put out there. I'm going to talk about on Tuesday's show. Just how bad Sam Darnold was in the pocket. And just how inaccurate he was. Pro Football Focus, I think he had him. They had him rated as their worst passer last year. And as I said, I have a love-hate relationship with those guys. Like the numbers, a lot of times they are justified. But sometimes it's kind of like, eh, I, I don't know where. I mean, the, sometimes the application of their metrics, I'm just not really a huge fan of. But in terms of looking at Sam Darnold... The numbers just don't lie. Yes, what he had around him in New York was bad, but he was really bad. It's very hard to make any sort of case that Sam Darnold, based off of what he's done in his career in the NFL with the New York Jets, and even how he looked in his final season at USC, it's very hard to believe that he is going to be the guy that's going to bring the Panthers over the top. So being on the hook for the $18.6 million, like had they just traded away Darnold and gotten back that fourth and sixth round pick, which they've done, and then only given away basically a second round pick, and then they didn't pick up the fifth year option, that might have been fine. And honestly, I probably, I couldn't have hated that, because at least if he's a bum again in 2021, the Panthers aren't on the hook for $18.6 million, and then trying to either trade him, which I don't see that really happening, I don't know who wants to pick up that contract, or drafting another quarterback, which I think is probably the most likely scenario. So I do agree with Bill Barnwell. He also talks about what the Panthers could have done differently. So the other big bet the Panthers made this offseason was staying out put in round one of the draft and, and drafting Horn. He brings up the Bears, who sent a picks number 20, 164 um, to get Justin Fields. But like we, we've been over this. When we saw Panthers Confidential, Fields was not a target. And on draft night, Scott Fitter and Matt Rule said that they did not receive any deal that was good enough for them to move off of J.C. Horn, who was the player that was top on their board right there at eight. They love J.C. Horn. Now, Barnwell does bring up a good point, though, in talking about drafting a cornerback, saying that cornerbacks taken in this range just do not have that sort of success rate or impact historically. You could have the same argument for the Lions at number seven or Broncos at number nine in terms of just not making that trade. So, yeah, the cornerbacks don't have the best hit rate at number eight and really early, early in the first round, but the Panthers got their guys. And as I told y'all, I was fine with them taking JC Horn. If that was their dude and that's who they liked. And I had talked about who I, how I felt they were going to trade back and get JC Horn. I don't know if they could have traded back to, you know, what the twenties and gotten JC Horn. I don't think that would have been a possibility for them. I don't know what Denver had on their board, whether they wanted Horn over Sertan or whatever, however it worked out. They still got Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. I don't know. I just felt like I was fine with the way the Panthers went about the draft in terms of not getting a quarterback in Justin Fields. 
I wanted to get Panay Sewell. The Lions ruined that possibility. Now they have him playing right tackle. And we're sitting here with J.C. Horn, who they think can start day one. And with A.J. Boye and Dante Jackson, I like that cornerback depth more than I've liked the cornerback depth in Carolina for a long time. Now, what's left to do, according to Bill Barnwell? Extend Taylor Moten. It's that simple. He says a 2017 second rounder has developed into one of the best tackles in football, right tackle to be specific, and with the left tackle spot looking like a big question mark, the Panthers would do well to solidify one tackle spot for Darnold's sake. The Panthers franchise Bowden for 2021 at $13.8 million, and a new deal for the 27-year-old should come in around four years, $62 million. And if you do the math there, if you you, uh, divide four from 62, you're going to find out that that is... $15.5 $15.5 million. That's a lot of money for a right tackle. But I'm fine with paying it, especially when everyone else on the offensive line, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. And you got to do something to try and protect your quarterback. And if you're going to risk it with Sam Donald and bring him here after he was really bad in New York and you got all these weapons around him, at least find a way to protect him which is the big question mark for the Carolina Panthers in 2021. And pro football focus is not feeling the Panthers offensive line as they're going around the NFL ranking position groups. They have the Panthers ranked very low, like really, really low. Going to talk about that in just a moment. I've been telling you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar has nine amazing flavors and something for everyone. And sometimes they have the occasional limited time flavors. Check out these nine flavors right now. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. Built Bars are awesome. And I love the fact that you cannot just get a box of just coconut, you could also get a box of coconut and also throw in some double chocolate. That's right, Built Bar lets you mix up your boxes. So that's super great that they allow you to do that. They're soft and easy to chew. They're covered 100% chocolate. So you're getting chocolate with coconut, the coconut almond flavors, the cherry flavors, and the raspberry flavors. And of course, there's already chocolate on double chocolate and mint brownie and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty awesome. Also, guys, check it out. Built Bars are healthy. 17 grams of protein in most flavors. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Go get a Built Bar today. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I appreciate that Pro Football Focus and I are seeing eye-to-eye these days when it comes to the Panthers' offensive line. Well, actually, I'm kind of concerned that we're seeing eye-to-eye because it means that they also agree that the Panthers' offensive line is a problem. Now, I didn't think it was going to be this much of a problem as they've ranked the Panthers' offensive line 31st in the league. The only offensive line worse than the Carolina Panthers, as remember, there's only 32 teams in the National Football League. They rank the New York Giants lower. So that means Sam Darnold, who is coming over from the New York Jets, where he had a terrible offensive line, 
That offensive line with the New York Jets is better, apparently, according to Pro Football Focus, than the one currently here with the Carolina Panthers. And I kind of find it hard to believe. When you have Taylor Moten on your offensive line, like you cannot have one of the worst possible offensive lines when you have a guy who is a potential all-pro dude who Bill Barnwell says could be up for a $15.5 billion contract. But still, there's other questions throughout the offense line. I'm not necessarily kind of a believer that they have one of the, that they have like the worst, at least second to worst offensive line. I'm still fine with the right side with Moten. You got John Miller there, Matt Paradis. Those three, I feel fine with those guys. I'm not saying that Paradis and Miller are like great, but they got to be better than what the Jets have and what a lot of offensive lines like the Bengals have out there as well. It's the left side that concerns me. But Sam Monson, a PFF, he had an article saying the Carolina Panthers offensive line is in danger of derailing the Sam Darnold reclamation project. He says that the Panthers can't get viable offensive line play that it won't matter how good the scheme or receivers are. And when you look at the group right now, it's not easy to see how they're going to. So he brings up Taylor Moten saying Taylor Moten is one member of the unit who can safely classify as an excellent player. The now fifth year right tackle hasn't had a bad season in his NFL career, earning four consecutive PFF overall grades of at least 73.0 and and is coming off a career best 81.6 his pass blocking has always been his best facet of play but his pff run blocking grades have improved in each of the last two seasons so taylor moton as he's mentioned is a brick wall and the dude is incredible and the panthers have to do everything in their power to keep that guy here in carolina long term keep him at right tackle and let him protect whoever the quarterback is and honestly if you got to get a left-handed quarterback so he's the blind side so be it i don't care just keep him here in carolina now here's what the issue is for sam monson and it's the issue i had to let's go back to the start of free agency at least the start of the legal tampering period in the nfl which has always just been one of the more ridiculous ways they uh the phrase it legal tampering like it's tampering but it's legal that doesn't really you know kind of add up but either way the first two signings we heard of were pat elfline and cam irving which I appreciate that Matt Rule, who said they want to get younger on offense, particularly on the offensive line, that he and Scott Fitterer and the organization sought out to do that, and they went out there and did it. I appreciate that they were actually trying to bring in new offensive linemen. The problem was who they brought in. And Munson says, the Panthers brought in two potential starters in free agency, signing Pat Elfline and Cameron Irving. Each player has experience at multiple positions in their NFL careers, but they most likely seem to form a new left side of the line with Irving playing left tackle and Elfline at left guard. And right there, bringing up the multiple positions, positional flexibility, something Carolina Panthers obviously valued, something that we've seen all offseason. He goes on to say, starting both players is a fairly wild proposition in itself. But what makes these moves baffling is that the Panthers have had both deals locked in within 90 minutes of free agency opening. These were not moves made after all the players the teams had targeted were signed. These were moves prioritized by the team and successfully pushed over the line minutes after the free agency period was officially open, which begs the question, why? Elfline is a former third-round pick who washed out of the Minnesota Vikings, a team desperate for viable offensive linemen. The fifth-year pro earned a PFF pass blocking grade of 30.5, playing most of mostly for the Jets last season. He has a career-high overall grade of 66.6, which came in his rookie year. So Elfline has not been good. Elfline has done nothing to suggest he can form part of an even an average offensive line for multiple teams that would have benefits significantly from him proving otherwise. We can also go Cam Irving, who potentially is going to replace Russell Okung. 
Munson says, Irving has played all over the offensive line, but he's slotted exclusively at left tackle for the past two seasons. However, he's still a question mark as last year was the first time he graded above 50.0 in his six-year career. He's posted a 58.0 overall grade on just 279 snaps. That is not good. Wasn't good in Cleveland where he was drafted in the first round. Was bad in Kansas City. Was injured and bad last year in Dallas. Not exciting. Now, there are a little bit of positives. Matt Paradis, who allowed 47 pressures in 2019, coming off a broken leg, did improve last year, only giving up 19. The Panthers restructured his deal, but Paradis is 32. So this is going to be his last year. And there's also the thoughts about Elfline potentially could be stepping in to be the center of the future, depending on how things work out. Now, I think my big question, though, for the Carolina Panthers, and as it pertains to Sam Darnold, if the offensive line really is bad, how is that going to impact how this team evaluates him? Because as we went over the numbers on Tuesday's show, in a clean pocket, he was among the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He was the worst rated passer by Pro Football Focus last season with the Jets. That's the offensive line. That's also the wide receiver talent. It's also just Darnold not playing well. He has the ability to make plays off script and off platform. But as we've also found out, he has the bad tendencies to try and throw across his body late over the middle. And that sometimes he doesn't read the corner dropping back there um, when trying to throw out to the sideline. And those are leading to interceptions. Playing within the framework of the offense is what's going to allow Sam Darnold to be successful. But if the framework of the offense is not really given an opportunity to happen because the left side is made up of Cam Irving and Pout Elfline, and maybe Paradis takes a step back as he's aging, John Miller... Turns out to be more of a bust. I, who know? I mean, hopefully nothing happens to Moten, of course, in a contract year. How then will the Panthers evaluate Sam Darnold? That's where you bring up the fact that they decided to go ahead and give him the $18.6 million by picking up his fifth-year option where maybe this turns into a two-year evaluation. Maybe the Panthers just aren't there right now and am able to rebuild their offensive line of course they they brought in uh they paid it up to bring in uh brady christensen from byu they brought in elfline and irving which i don't understand either one of those signings they also brought in deontay brown from alabama they signed him they got david moore who they signed as udfa from grambling state so they're making an attempt at least to bring in more offensive linemen but still is that something a position that can be fixed after one off season i don't know and what they have doesn't necessarily make me feel all that confident that they will. Like, I don't know where John Miller would be if he wasn't here in Carolina. He was in Buffalo. They let him go. He went to Cincinnati, signed a three-year deal. After one year, they're like, yeah, get out of here. Then he comes to Carolina, and he gets signed for another one-year deal here. I don't see him being a long-term option. There's also Dennis Daly on the offensive line. Of course, there's Greg Little. There's options. But is there a five, or is there even a four, that you feel really good about with the Carolina Panthers? And if there's not and Sam Darnold continues to face that pressure, and he struggles because of it, do you blame the offensive line? Or do the Panthers see enough out of Sam Darnold where they think it's not just the offensive line, but it's also Sam Darnold not being able to play behind a bad offensive line and overcome it? Because he couldn't overcome it in New York, even though he has better weapons here in Carolina. We'll see if he can overcome it here if it does come to that. And I talked about confidence. How important is confidence for Sam Darnold? Being able to restore that. Being able to rely on the guys like Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and to be able to trust in Matt Rule and Joe Brady and everything that they're trying to teach him and trying to get him out of these bad habits. Will he be able to have the confidence if the O-line is terrible? That is a big question. Now, 31st, I don't think that's a fair ranking. 
having Taylor Moten, uh, he's a, one of the best right tackles in football. Matt Paradis was much better last year. I don't think that just with those two guys, I just I have a hard time seeing how this is the second worst offensive line. Like how the Jets have a better offensive line, how the Bengals have a better offensive line. The Chargers really struggled on the offensive line last year protecting Justin Herbert. That's an unfair ranking to me. Now, I still think the Panthers' offensive line is a huge question mark. Obviously, at left tackle, especially. I just don't see them as like the second-to-worst offensive line in football. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. All right, that wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, guys, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Also, follow us on Spotify, on Odyssey, on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. So you can find all the episodes as we're here in off-season mode, getting three podcasts per week throughout the month of June. Follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Right now, I'm going to need you to tweet at me and give me your questions for our Friday weekly mailbag here on the Locked On Panthers podcast throughout the rest of the offseason. Going to want your participation, so please get in those questions as soon as you can. Thanks again for the support, and remember, you never give billionaires free money. I'll talk to you all later. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.